Ilya Delio says this. She says, God is love. The fountain fullness of love. The unstoppable love of love itself. Always in the process of becoming more love. I was gifted this quote uh, by a spiritual mentor in my life a number of years ago. And it was after I was sharing with her that essentially I felt like I had run out of love. My motivations, my intentions, my ministry felt quite empty of the thing that I value the most, which is love. And if I wasn't able to love well, was I really worth anything at all? I was caught up in the idea that if I was not immediately motivated or intentional or actional with my love, that it was actually a sign of faithlessness in God, failure in my discipleship with Jesus, and ignoring the call to justice and peace in the world. You see, I went to a quite dramatic end, right? Okay. And she looked at me after I was sharing this like, oh, what do I do? She looked at me, and she had tenderness in her eyes, quite like I imagined God would look at me in that moment, a lot like I imagine God looking at each of us when we find ourselves caught up in these achieving, self-sufficient natures. And she said to me, oh, Britta, God is love. The fountain fullness of love, unstoppable love, always in the process of becoming more love. She looked at me and she said, you are not love. You are beloved. You are not love, but you are beloved. Today at the close of our series on listening, listening to God, listening to one another, listening for the sake of the community, we get to consider love. And we use 1 Corinthians 13, which is a scriptural hymn about the fountain fullness of love, a love that is not conditioned by our outward actions, by humanity's outward actions, but, but it is conditioned on the outpouring of being found in the fountain fullness of God's love, of being beloved. You see, we've been looking at uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, particularly in 1 Corinthians, and we've been asking this question, what happens when we listen as a church? We talked about what it looks like what, or what happens when we listen as an individual or, or what happens when we listen to God's specific call to us. But the question is, what happens when we all listen as a church? And Paul reminds the people that the work of being the church happens in these uh, four ways that we highlighted, okay? One, baptism. That when we are uh, brought into the church, we are brought into the church by way of baptism. All baptized into the same water, born of the same water, belonging to one another. Literally brothers and sisters because we are birthed out of that same water. It's that fountain fullness, if you will. And then Paul went on to say you are 
uh, to have one mind. And that one mind is not a human mind, it is the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ is a gift. And the mind is what makes the difference between a Christian community and the body of Christ. The body of Christ has the mind of Christ. And then Paul talks in, in 1 Corinthians 12 about being one body, that we belong together, li living limbs of God's creation. And now today, we look at one love. Because the truth of all of this is that we are beloved. It's quite simple, really. It's the heartbeat, if you will, of our being united with Christ and with one another. And so let's read what that heartbeat sounds like in words that Paul used. Uh, open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul, he has a lot of letters in the New Testament, uh, that he wrote to people in Corinth. Uh, and it was a new church, and they were really wrestling with their identity uh, uh, belonging to one another. And so he wrote them this letter to really encourage them, to support them uh, in what it looked like to be one. And then he goes off on this beautiful, what you might think and what we, I might think is a tangent about love, but it is not a tangent. You may have heard this passage of scripture read at a wedding or, or something like that, and that's real cute. Hey, was it read at our wedding? Oh, no, okay. I should remember that. I'm sorry. Um, uh, and it's cute when it's read that way, but this was not read for, for two people getting married. This was not written for two people getting married. It was written for a community just like we're in right now. Uh, so we will read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
I want us to be clear about what the Apostle Paul is actually communicating here. He is not communicating a laundry list of things that good Christian people need to do in order to prove that they are loving or that they love Jesus. And if you're anything like me, uh, you may find yourself often falling short of this list. Yes? Anyone? Three of you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> My husband could be the first person to tell you that patience is not easy, an easily accessed attribute of mine. I was even reminded yesterday of that. Thank you. Kindness, uh, for me, is often thrown out the window, especially in traffic. Humility is quite shriveled, really, when I know that I am right. And there are times I can't even fathom honoring others, particularly if those others are people that I deeply disagree with. When someone tells me a hard truth, you won't find me rejoicing. And the only conclusion that I've been given, based on my assessment of my own humanity, up against this reading in 1 Corinthians 13, is that I should just work harder to love. You see, I've even valued sermons where I was encouraged to put my name in place of love, right? Britta is patient. Britta is kind. Does this describe you? As a sort of way to assess my ability to love, as a, as a way to measure my lovingness. But Paul is not offering a measure of lovingness. He is describing a community that functions out of its belovedness. You see, Paul has been addressing the facade of Christian life with the Corinthian church. And he's also addressing that facade uh, for us. And, and to be honest, we are so drawn to the facades of a Christian or a faithful or a religious life. There's, there's loudness involved in that. There are, there are lots of words, literally, like preached words sometimes. And there are deep ponderings, and there's a lot of boldness. And there's suffering, and there's hardship. And we like to add those things into our resumes, our religious resumes, if you will, in hopes that, that with all these things, the suffering and the loudness and the deep ponderings, that, that we would be able uh, to add to this resume of ours of being good people in the world. But Paul says that, that all of these things gain us nothing if we are not uh, found in the fountain fullness of our belovedness. They just sound ridiculous. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a list of things that we achieve. That is cheap love. It's also not a list of things that married people experience. That also cheapens the love. It is not that if we do these things that, that we are more loving and then deserving of more love. That's not the cycle here. It is actually first that you, we are loved deeply, Deeply, stunningly loved by God. That's the first thing. 
This love is without conditions or limits. It is fountain fullness. It does not run out. It does not wane. Depending on circumstances, it is not withheld. When you or I make mistakes, it, it, it surrounds, it envelops, it shelters, it pursues at all costs. This love does not demand that we are first kind or not boastful or slow to anger before it is love for us. It is just, it is just love for us. And as we swim in it, we find ourselves being transformed inwardly and outwardly because of our belovedness, because the act of being beloved changes us. No one finds themselves swimming in the water thinking, oh, this is just like dry land. I, I, I'm just acting like I do on dry land. You're even watching me do this, and you're like, she looks crazy. No. When you go swimming, you change your clothes for it. You, you dive into it, or sometimes walk slowly if it's cold. You know, maybe you're one of those, like, take a step, get used to it. Take a step, get used to it. You're one of those people. Who's a diver, and who's a get used to it person? Who's a diver? good. Who's a get used to it kind of person? My hand's way up. Thank you. The same goes with the love of God. But you see, when you go swimming, you entirely change the way that your body moves and functions in the water. You see, walking is not going to work. It's not going to serve you in the same way, especially if you can't touch the bottom. You would look ridiculous and drown, okay? The same is true for God's fountain fullness. The way you are, the way that you think, the way that you do becomes transformed when you are in the fountain fullness of being beloved. The things that used to work on land are not going to work for you when you are in the fountain fullness. And this is miraculous news. That means that being unkind, finding yourself boastful, envying, using uh, manipulation to get what you need, those things don't work up in the fountain fullness of God's love. God's invitation in love is that you would always come back to the heart of your belovedness to come swim again. Sometimes we get out of the pool. Sometimes we walk away from the pool entirely. And God is always saying, come back, come swim again. Sometimes it's actually the signs of unlovingness. The signs of unlovingness that invite us back into the fountain, back into swimming. You see, when it is manifest, well, when what is manifest in us is not loving, when we read the words on this list and notice that maybe I'm not patient or kind, maybe I do envy and I do boast, maybe I am proud and rude, maybe I uh, am very angered and I keep a lot of records of wrong. When I notice these things about me, God's invitation is not to just like stop it and move on. God says, "Uh, why don't you listen to those things? If you were to listen to those things long enough to discern the places they were coming from, you might find out something about God's belovedness with you. It's like a tell in a card game, right? In poker, you have a tell. People, 
bad poker players have a tell uh, so that when they get their good cards, people know. Or when they have a bad hand, people know. When you find yourself up against things that don't sound like this list, might they be a tell to you? Ah, oh, I've got something going on here that I wasn't fully aware of. You see, when our, uh, we know that our outward actions reflect what we deeply know, even if we don't cognitively know it. And often our outward reflections are, uh, our outward actions are reflections of, of two things. One, we're trying to seek um, to meet our needs. Or two, we are living out of a story that's not true. And so sometimes our outward actions are, are just there to try and meet the needs that we have. Or we've lived so long believing certain things about ourselves that, that it just comes out in outward actions. It's not really who we want to be, but it just is what happens. You see, if we've heard for so long that we are defiled and disgusting and unworthy people, our outward actions are going to reflect that with, with impatience and unkindness and, and striving for attention and a short fuse and a lack of trust. If we've never experienced belonging or worth within our families or within our communities, then our outward actions are going to reflect those needs. The truth of the matter is that everyone everywhere is contending with meeting their needs and also living a story that may not be fully true. It was brought to my attention this morning that we, as a country, experienced another shooting in Colorado Springs. And the shooting specifically targeted bodies that have been targets of hate and dismembering for a long time. Specifically, by people who say that they love Jesus. I want to be clear that this is not Christian love. This is not loving out of our belovedness. We have done a disservice to people whose bodies we don't understand. And we need to repent. Everyone everywhere is contending with meeting their needs and living a story that might not be fully true. And God is calling us back into our belovedness. God is calling the body back to its belovedness. If you find yourself expressing the antithesis of love, the first thing to do is not to defend. It's to listen. To listen to that impatience or the envy or the pride or the anger or the blame or the egocentricism long enough and deep enough and in partnership with the spirit enough to discover what that thing is actually saying. And I want you to know that you are safe to do this with God. 
And you're safe to do this here because God loves you. And that's not just a cute thing that we put on a bookmark and hand to you and say good luck. No, this is true. You are safe to ask questions of yourself, of your families, of your communities that you're a part of because you don't have to fear that God's vengeance will come for you if you do the wrong thing or that you might run out of God's love because because you've even asked the question. Carefully listening to these things is actually receiving the invitation to swim again in your belovedness with God. Individuals are safe to do this. You are safe to do this with God. You're safe to do this here. But, but also church, we all are safe to do this because God loves us. It is not always true that the church is loving. We have found very religious ways of being unloving that look nothing like living out of our belovedness. And it's very easy as a pastor to pursue the ways of leadership and shepherding that look nothing like love. Some of the deepest and biggest regrets I hold in my life or when I have failed to love out of belovedness in my ministry, when I instead have tried to, to manage behavior or manage outcomes, instead of ever letting people be beloved by God first. And I've hurt people deeply by my management of them. And I can choose to ignore those things. Oh, God forgives me. Sure, sure, sure. I could just move past it then. I could deny my part to play. But I think part of being beloved is the freedom to bring every beautiful and terrible part of us to God, to actually jump into the fountain fullness of God's love with all of those things and to experience a kind of forgiveness in that fountain fullness that I would never be able to experience if I left those things on the shore hoping that God would just sweep them away with the wind. The truth is that the fountain fullness of God's love invites all of those things, beautiful and terrible, to come in with you so that God might sort them out with you. And what you'll find in that fountain fullness is not God frustrated that you're there again with all of your mistakes. God's going to say, oh my gracious, this again. <laughs> come swimming, would you? Come be transformed, would you? Come repent, would you? Come discover something, would you? Because you're so beloved. You're just so beloved. God is love. The fountain fullness of love, the unstoppable love of love itself, always in the process of becoming more love. This is true, not just for you as an individual, it's true for all of us. And as we listen to these things, and as we listen to one another, God keeps inviting us, just come swimming. 
I was reminded of a, a, a line in a hymn that I want to use as our, our, our transition between sermon and spiritual practice. Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thy, thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be.